Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 8 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. I encourage you to always bring the Word of God with you. It's an important tool for your journey of faith. And the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you understand your Creator, God the Creator, who loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son. So be sure to read the story over and over again. Second Corinthians chapter two, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six, seven, and eight. The Scripture says, "Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously." Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all time, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful today that your promise And opportunities are all around us every day. That you help us to dream worthy dreams. We long to live a life of nobility. To live life that makes a difference in the lives of others. You taught us, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are to serve one another. That we are to encourage one another. Indeed, we are to sow seeds of generosity into the lives of others. Teach us, Lord, through your example. And God, show us the way to live a life of ever-ending generosity. Amen. Today, as we look at this scripture, I want us to consider three thoughts. The first is the perception of a life of generosity. Why is it that we give? What is the perception behind why we give? The second is the privilege of a life of generosity. And the third is the provision for a life of generosity. Now, you know the three points of my message. Many of you might think, well, I can go home now. I've got the text text and the three points. We're all said and done. But stay with me, will you? I also want you to consider uh, one question that's going to be asked throughout the message itself. And that question is this, what type of seed are you sowing? You see, I believe all of us have a common desire to live worthy lives, to make a difference in the world around us, for our lives to count for something. It's hard for me to believe that anyone sets out in this life and thinks to themselves, you know, when I grow up, I want to become an alcoholic. I want to be so consumed by drink, the desire to drink alcohol, that it's more important to me than my family and all of my relationships. That it's more important to me than sustenance itself. It's hard for me to believe that anyone sets out life thinking that way. You see, I think we all desire to live lives of generosity. For our lives to count for something. We dream worthy dreams. It's hard for me to believe that someone would set out in this life and say to themselves, you know, I want to be so addicted by gambling that it, takes, it, it, it brings financial ruin into my home. 
Or I want to be so addicted to pornography that it has a grabbing control of my life and it destroys my marriage. Or I want to be so overwhelmed with a desire for someone else that is not my spouse, that has grabbing control of my life and not only destroys my family, but my occupation as well. Or I want to be so consumed by prescription drugs, so addicted by prescription drugs, that it takes my life at a young age. You see, I believe we desire to live noble lives. For our lives to count for something. We don't set out to destroy our lives. And yet some will sow seeds of sin which lead to destruction and others will sow seeds of the Spirit. And the question I have for you today is what type of seed are you sowing? What is your desire? Do you have dreams of nobility? Of truly making a difference in the world? You see, I think we have a tendency to cheer for the good guys in a movie and to cheer against the bad guys. It's the protagonist against the antagonist. The protagonist in any drama is that good guy, and the antagonist is the bad guy. One of those movies that's one of my favorite old-time movies that comes around every Christmas is the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Most of you have probably seen it. How many of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Several of the teens haven't seen it, but most of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life. It's a story about George Bailey. He's a reluctant head of a broken down savings and loan. He gives up some of his dreams to serve others in the community of Bedford Falls. And he becomes in charge of this broken down savings and loan. And his Uncle Billy is kind of forgetful. And and one day on Christmas Eve, Uncle Billy puts the $8,000 deposit in a newspaper, folds it up, and he hands it to the villain in the story, Mr. Potter. And uh, not knowing that the $8,000 is there, Mr. Potter takes it because Billy is bragging about his nephew, who is a war hero. Well, then Billy notices that he's missing the $8,000. He looks everywhere, and they can't find it. And, of course, the bank is upset. And where's our money? And tonight, the bank inspector is going to come. It's Christmas Eve, and we are going to be financially ruined. George Bailey, the hero of the story, the protagonist, if you will, he, uh, in this story, he finds his insurance policy and he thinks to himself, I'm, more, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. And he contemplates taking his own life. Well, in the midst of all this, his children and the community is praying for George Bailey. They know something has gone dramatically wrong. And they begin to cry out for George Bailey. And on the scene appears Clarence. She's, he's an angel. And he takes through flashbacks George Bailey back through his life and helps him to see what life would have been like if George Bailey had never been born. You see, his life impacted one life, whose life impacted another life, whose life impacted another. And indeed, George Bailey lived a wonderful life. It's been several years since I've watched this movie. You see, the reason I haven't watched it for a couple of years is because my children make fun of me. Because every time it comes to the end of the movie, I begin to well up with tears. And and the tears start streaming down my eyes. And my kids say, Dad's crying. Even as adult children, they still taunt me. (laughs) You see, we cheer for the good guy. 
And I can't help but cry when George Bailey's brother holds up a punch cup and says to my brother, the richest man in town. We cheer for the good guys. We cheer against the bad guys. Because see, we didn't have a desire to live lives of worthy dreams. To have an impact on others in our lives. To sow seeds of generosity into those that we meet. My question for you is this. What type of seed are, are you sowing? What type of seed are you sowing? Another um, musical drama that is my all-time favorite is a musical drama entitled Les Mesmerats. It's the story of a, a French peasant. It's written by Victor Hugo. And this French peasant's name is Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean uh, steals a loaf of bread when he's a young man to feed his sister's children. And for 19 years, he's incarcerated. When he's freed from his incarceration, he must go and deliver papers and, and proclaim to everyone that he meets that he is a convict. And so he shows his yellow papers. And of course, because of that, he cannot find work, he cannot find a place to sleep at night, or even food to eat. In his desperation, Jean Valjean goes to the home of a priest. And the priest invites him in to his surprise and offers him a warm meal and a clean bed in which to sleep in. That night, he tosses and turns in that bed and he begins to wonder, you know, everyone thinks I'm a criminal. I might as well live up to their expectations. I'm always going to be marked. And so he gets up in the middle of the night and he takes the silver from the priest's home. He goes out and, and he's quickly caught by the guards and they, they bring him back to the priest. When they bring him back to the priest, the priest says, Jean Valjean, I'm very angry with you. Then the guard says, He claims that you gave him the silver. To which the priest replies, He's correct. But he forgot the most important pieces. And Jean Valjean, I'm very angry with you. And he gives him the silver candlesticks. And he says these words to Jean Valjean. With silver, I have ransomed you from fear and hatred. Now I give you back to God. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of hope. But it's a fictitious story. Yet all around us, every day, there are people who live broken lives. Jean Valjean pledged to make use the rest of his life for good. Eight years later, we find him. He's a factory owner. He has a hundred employees that work for him. He's the mayor of the town. We cheer for the good guys. Because we too have worthy dreams. We have desires to live life of nobility. We want to make a difference in the lives of those that we touch in a given week. Well, let's look at our scripture today. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at verse 6 again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap 
generously. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, raising money for the church in Jerusalem who's going through a time of poverty. And they made a commitment to give generously to the church there in Jerusalem. Some are beginning to back out, back away from their original commitments. And Paul is encouraging them to give what they decide in their hearts to give. And to be a cheerful giver. This is the context in which we understand this scripture. There's a parallel scripture. It's a similar scripture. It's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 8, and 9. Read that scripture with me. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What type of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of the sinful nature which will reap destruction? You see, God will not be mocked. What type of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of the Spirit? Seeds of the Spirit, which reaps eternal life. Seeds of the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. What kind of seed are you sowing? You see, the perception of why we sow seed is an important piece to understanding this. Those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, and those who sow generously will also reap generously. If you give your time, your talent, and your resources simply out of an obligation, you have missed the very principle provided for us in God's Word. You see, the Scripture reveals to us that we are saved by grace and not by works. There's nothing in this world that we can do to earn our salvation. See, we don't serve out of obligation, but we serve out of privilege. We serve out of love because God loves us. In the same way, if you're sowing to receive a reward, you're missing a very significant principle provided for us here in God's Word. You see, legalism is trying to obey God's law in order to earn our way into heaven. In the same way, if you sow generously in order to get something in return, you miss the very point. Now, it's true that God blesses a cheerful giver. But we don't give in order to be blessed. We give because we are loved. And see, when we understand the principle or the perception of why we ought to give, it changes Our giving habits. You see, it's out of a heart of joy that we give. Because we recognize that everything that we have is from God Himself. You see, God through His Son, Jesus Christ, has set us free from the legalism in the past and offers to us new freedoms that is motivated by love. When Jesus reinstated Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, right? You guys remember that story? You're excited about that story, right? I can tell you because you're sitting up on the edge of your seats and you're listening intently. Peter was one of the the disciples. And when Jesus reinstated Peter, he did not say to Peter, Peter, you know, for three years I walked with you and I taught you everything I know. For three years I put up with your ADD and your impetuous lifestyle. 
For three years, Peter, I had to listen to you day in and day out about who was going to be first and who was going to be last. And then I died for you on a cross. And then after I gave my life for you, I rose three days later for you, Peter. It was all for you. Now, Peter, what are you going to do for me? Now, Peter, Jesus doesn't say that at all to Peter, does he? When Jesus reinstates Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? You see, that's the motivation. It's not, what have you, look what I've done for you, now look what you need to do for me. It's, Peter, do you love me? You see, when we wrap our arms around that reality, it changes our whole perception. God loves us and empowers us to love others. And He gives us, grants us the privilege of sowing seed into others' lives. What are you doing with your time, your talent, and your resources? Are you living a life of generosity? What kind of seed are you sowing? The privilege of generosity. Verse 7 says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, the reality is the life of generosity is not one of great obligation, but one of great privilege. Every year, Debbie and I have participated in a faith promise offering. We do so because, well, it's a privilege for us to invest in the lives of those who are starting works around the world. We are now presently in 155 world areas. When missionaries come here and they share their story, we feel like we're intimately involved in their ministry because we are invested in their ministry. You see, the life of generosity is a life of privilege. We should give cheerfully. Living a life of generosity is an investment in treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal and where moths and rust do not corrupt. There's no safer investment that you can make than the life of others for the cause of Christ. What kind of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of the Spirit? Are you sowing seeds of the sinful nature? If we truly believe this, we'll regard giving as a privilege and not a burdensome responsibility. The third thought, verse 8, the provision for a generous life. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able. I need to stress to you that living a generous life with our time, our talent, and our resources is not simply a responsibility, but it is a privilege. It's a a privilege that is provided to us by God Himself. You recognize that everything we have is a gift from God? Life itself is a gift from God. The world in which we live in is a gift from God. He is the one who has provided us the opportunity to live a life of generosity. Now, there are some that say um, that, well, the Scripture doesn't talk about tithing. I skipped that whole part, didn't I? But look at Matthew 23. Oh, I'm not ahead of myself. Jesus also mentioned the significance of living a generous life to others. This is especially important to us because Jesus sometimes gave us hints of whether some practices would be discontinued in the New Covenant. 
For example, Jesus gave us indications in his teaching that the old covenant with the dietary laws would be thrown out. And the Gentiles would be included in the new covenant. Yet Jesus gave no indication that the principle of the tithe would be set aside in the new age. Here's what Jesus said about the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of mint and the anise and cumin, and have not and have neglected the weightier matters of the law and justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. Jesus speaks to the scribes and the Pharisees and says, You know, you've neglected the weightier matters of justice and mercy and caring for others and the law. But regarding the tithe, Jesus did not say that this should be left undone. No, he affirms that this too should have been done. You see, God provides us all that we need to sow seeds of generosity into the lives of those around us. And my question for you today is this. What type of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of generosity, seeds of encouragement to your children and to your spouse? Are you doing all that you can to help this person in your life to become all that he or she was created to be? These people in your life? Are you sowing seeds of generosity in the lives of those that you work with? Those that are your classmates? Those that are your neighbors and your friends? What kind of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of the sinful nature which will lead to destruction? Are you sowing seeds of the Spirit which leads to eternal life? Are you sowing seeds of encouragement, hope, and generosity in the lives of others? How are you making a difference in our world? Earlier, I talked about the musical drama Les Mesmerats. The main character in this story, the good guy, if you will, is Jean Valjean. He was offered grace and hope and a new beginning, and he took it in this story. Today, I've asked Rebecca Smith to sing one of the songs from the musical. And the title of the song is, I Had a Dream. This is a song that expresses the dreams and the heartache and the compromise of Jean Valjean's worker, Fantine. You see, she had a secret, illegitimate child, which she kept hidden from the other employees. For she knew if they knew that this had happened in her life, that she would be fired from that job. And so she kept it a secret. When the employees found out that she had this daughter, they exposed her to the foreman. And when the foreman advances from from Fantine were denied, she was quickly fired. The next part of her life, she spent trying to provide for her daughter, selling everything that she had, her lockets and her hair. She lived a life of broken compromise. Jean Valjean, realizing the effect of his dismissal, promised the dying Fantine to look after her daughter, Cosette. This is one of the songs from her story. <laughs> 